we do kind of fade in. And the first things we see on the bottom of the screen as we're kind of fading in at the Barrel and Bullet Saloon is Chapter 2, Run and Gun. That is the name of our second chapter. So, as we fade in on the Barrel and Bullet Saloon, we uh, push in to the... Um, push in through the, the windows, and we kind of can see that the whole tavern has sort of crashed for the night. There are still about a dozen or so people sleeping on the floors, on the sticky, disgusting, uh, whiskey-soaked floors. Um, need to put on some... Music, music. Yeah, I, I want to do. I want to do. Hmm, I thought I had a playlist ready for this. Let's see. Let's do. Uh, yeah, we got we got a a, a saloon. They got some pretty cool like ambiances, but they're not. They're super subtle, right? I'm just gonna put on. Just gonna put on this playlist by Ivan. So, as we come in, we can see that in this night, everyone has crashed for the night. Everyone's gone to bed. There's only one sort of figure awake, staying up, sitting near a window at the front of the tavern, tucked into a booth. We see a catfolk sort of person. They got like their hood. Uh, pulled up, they got this sort of like darkish orange fur with like signs of grain, and she's kind of sitting here in the dark, in the quiet, keeping watch, and the silence is sort of punctured by the banging and the hammering of noise, and the camera sort of floats out through the tavern, through the side, out towards what appears to be a small courtyard uh, that, that exists outside the barrel and bullet saloon and um in the background we see a sort of shooting range set up with like multiple targets um spent casings everywhere but the banging is not coming from the shooting range the banging is coming from this building where one sort of lantern flickers in the dark and as we go into the window we can see what appears to be a crate like a, a very well stocked workshop this is what we call here at the Barrel and Bullet Saloon, the Bullet Works Workshop. Um, the entire building is made of like wood and tin and looks like it might at any moment shift with the heavy winds and collapse upon itself. But inside, we see a well-organized workshop with two huge tables, shelves full of alchemical components, clockwork pieces, everything, your, budge, your burgeoning sort of inventor might need to do exactly what we see here, which is Anita working late into the night by herself, working on bringing Wyber back to life. So Anita, as the camera kind of pulls on on you, what do we see you doing with your your buddy here in the workshop? See Anita having worked into the second day because working late into the night, we showed up at late. That's true. That is a true semantic statement. Uh, they would be seeing Anita, uh, just super hyper-focused on Wybert. Um, she's done her best to polish as much of Wybert's casing as possible, but at this point she's focusing a little bit more on the core 
they usually power Swybert up. Um, ever since the, uh, ever since, w- ever since the ooze, the rust ooze, um, she was trying. She was actually trying to figure out if there would be a way for her to, like, have essentially like a like a quick release for the uh, the core that way. If ever it does happen again, and then Wybert does become broken, and luckily at this time, you know, like Wybert's casing wasn't completely rusted and melted off. But right now, she's trying to think of a plan B, wherein if she can invent a quick release for the core, as long as she has that, then she can make another Wybert. Um, she's also telling herself. Don't be sentimental again. Don't be sentimental again uh, while she's working on Wybert. Uh, so regardless, she d- it doesn't matter to her that no one is there. She's just hyper-focused on the five foot seven robot that's on, I don't know, like a table? Like a workshop table? A workshop table that's right in front of her. Um, if ever someone really came in, she wouldn't have noticed because... Right now, she's really just working on her body, on her mate. And uh, as a small recap, in case you're joining us for the first time here at the start of Chapter 2, the crew just got back, the outlaws just got back from a daring bank heist in which they robbed the Gold Tank Reserve, run and owned and operated by a Ambrose Mugland, and made a daring escape through a scrapyard, which became a graveyard, while the... Hot on their heels were the shield marshals, led by none other than Angelique Loveless. Um, and even going back less than 24 hours ago, Anita and Halbrant started the day in jail. And here you are, 24 hours later, doing what you've probably missed so much, Anita, which is work with your hands. And there is definitely a sort of like time skipping montage where we see Anita just working frantically. You know, you got the like, the like angle grinder out, you're grinding off the rust spots from Wyber and and working on this core and doing everything. Um, I think what happens is you've been working so intently and so long that you don't notice how much time has passed. And we did make this because because for an inventor to repair their creature, it does their companion, sorry, not a creature, it requires a crafting check and a day of downtime, right? Anita made the crafting check last week after we leveled up off stream. You, you were definitely successful in your crafting check. I don't remember exactly what you rolled, but it was in the high 20s. 25. 25, there we go. So you don't realize how much time has passed as you've been frantically working. Um, but right as you're sort of grinding the last bit of rust spots, I think maybe uh, the door behind you opens and you've got your head, your like sort of ear protection on because it's so loud in here. And we see like towering in the door frame, like so much so that he has to like, sort of stoop his head as he comes in is Saruk with like probably a cup of coffee or something on your behalf. If it's obvious that Anita hasn't been to bed and when it's like, get up, where's everyone? Is that mm-hmm. the sound of an angle grinder? Oh, God damn it. So yes. it's, you know, get the pot, try yeah. not to. I, I guess every door in Alcanzar is down, over, Gandalf <laughs> through. Yeah. It's actually the bedrooms that Phoebe has upstairs for you. The ceilings are at seven feet tall. So you're are not even just stooping through doorways. You're like stooping in the bedrooms when you're upstairs here at the barrel and bullet. 
Um, but yeah, Saruk shows up with a cup of coffee for you, and Saruk, you come into the room, and you, you she hasn't noticed you. She's got ear protection on, and it's very loud. You've heard the sparks are flying. You've heard her working through the night. So, with something similar on, is there if there's a way I can walk in front of Nina's field? Nina, in front of Anita's field of view without walking in front of the angle grinder. Yes, yes. There, the room's big enough, and she's working right in the center that you could easily make your way around the kind of perimeter of the room and around the two tables and catch her eye without being in danger or anything. Sorry, to just not wave. Pantomime taking off ear protection. Whoa! Pantomime's taking off ear protection again. <laughs> oh, Saruk, how are you? Okay, is this how we're going to do it? Do you want to just... Do you want some coffee? What? Hang on, let me take this off. <laughs> oh, Saruk, how are you? Oh, that, there we go. We figured it out. Have you been up all day? What? Has it been all no. day? It has. It's... No. Voice in the sky, what time is it? Uh, we're probably just around... Every time you ask me, I'm going to say it. High noon. Lunch was 30 minutes ago. It was. It was. Are you okay? You You seem to have made progress anyway. No, I'm grand. Um, I think I'm almost, I'm this close to bringing Wyber back. Um, wow. Has it really been a full day? It has. It really has. Do you want help? Do you, I set the coffee down and pour you a mug and slide it over. Well, I do have this idea of Doing a quick release on Wybert's um on Wybert's core. Do you see this? And then she points at uh, Wybert's core. And then when Saruk leans in and sees Wybert's core, she can uh, he uh, they'd see how actually very intricate the core is. It's it's pretty much like a Tesla coil that shrunk down into that nice little tiny Iron Man circle in the middle of uh, Wybert's chest. So Does this have thing, an arc reactor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this thing is what powers Wybert. This is what makes Wybert powerful. This is what Muglin was trying to steal. So I was thinking, because we were so close on actually having it all disappear before our, our eyes, so maybe you could help me figure out a way to do a, essentially like a quick release button to where like I could hold it not die from all the energy that's gonna come out of it if I do hold it with my bare hands. Indeed. Certainly the getting out seems easy enough. There are not far from where I come. There's a, a city whose navy fashioned a set of latches where if they were all in the water they could and then off comes their armor so they don't sink into the sea with it. That part seems easy. The not electrocuting yourself in the process. I uh, could we perhaps I don't know maybe something to house it that would ground it. Is that possible without and then like leans in to look at the inner workings of the construct to try to figure out how it works. I was thinking about that, but do you see how big Wiper is right now? The reason why he himself isn't actually melting into a another ooze is because of how big he is and how thick everything is. I would prefer not to make, you know, like a glove that would allow me the ability to, to hold on to it, but 
I don't know, it's just when we were going through that scrapyard after the ooze, I just felt really useless. Um, so I was thinking that maybe if Wybert isn't able to help and I could get the call, then maybe I'll be more useful. I don't want to use Wybert as a crutch the entire time that I'm working with you guys. I understand. Perhaps next time if we find ourselves back to should consider our other option quickly. Uh, Saruk picks up the coffee mug and picks, sets it down on the table and up, down, up, down, and a much more efficient route tangle anything in the first place. Though if it's helpful, I I think your friend would it, if not her. Looks over to Wybert. Oh, Albert. It's fortunate that our... Mm, mm. I, I met Refi. Maybe I should be. It's We're fortunate that we have a shock trooper to forgive me. I hesitate to call them expendable. Not a soul. You know what I mean? No, I, I'd re I really do. Um, Actually, last night while I was working on Robert, I was thinking that maybe I should stop being sentimental over things that aren't really organic. Um, being around you all has been the most I've been around people. So it's a little um uncomfortable. But I'm I'm realizing that I actually enjoy it a little bit. I understand being things that aren't people. I pick up the uh multi pistol pull up. I got this from a Corsair on route between here and Star. I've grown rather attached to it. Spin the barrel. I don't quite understand the how, but if I were to and this, if this is something so important and so new, perhaps is the best way that the powers that be within the city want to implicate you in crimes and steal it from there's there is obviously a person in terms of your own dare I say greatness I think it's okay to be attached thanks Kojak told me once that maybe I shouldn't be attached to it all the time because I was just stuck in my room but hey, it got me out of my room because now well, not now. Oh, but I got unblessed. I take it. Kojak wanted you to go out and more people then, or? I think partly Kojak wanted me to kind of like take over the, I don't know, the family business. That's why I even know how to patch up wounds a little bit, or as little as I know how to. It's because of him. Um... I think it's that's really the most part of it. He he wanted me to to go to Blifir at some point. He just I guess he just never realized that in order for me to get to Blifir, it was essential for me to actually stay in my room. That talking to other people, being as extroverted as he was, wasn't really gonna bring me there. True. I've known a lot of people who would rather not be out and about and would be much more comfortable in a small space working on a thing and it was that thing that you were 
done in a small space that got you to that place that Kojak wanted you to be. A little bit of irony now. I know. I felt like I did something out of spite. And don't tell Kojak if you do meet him, but I've always wanted to rebel a little bit. Kind of like, you know, how Refi is all natural, like just very rebellious, but um, I could never do that in front of Kojak. But when I when I did succeed in going to Clifford because of why, but I felt like I was rebelling against him a little bit. So Yeah. I wouldn't call what Ruffy does rebelling in the strict I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make this a much bigger, broad political discussion. I, I mostly came here to ask you. I, I should probably not reach it. I haven't they've been up all night apparently fixating on fixing their what is the snaps of it. Magnum opus? That is that too much? No, no, that hits a little bit. But I mean, I'd like to thank you because I actually felt like I'm breathing again. Whereas earlier, I felt like I was just so focused on why, but... Earlier as in earlier last night, or as in... You know, so much has happened. It's only been two days, really. I got out of prison with Halbrint, and then I saw you guys again. I punched Refi, he bought some pickles. Halbrint started getting emotional in front of us. We robbed a bank, went through a scrapyard. I think, I, what, what, what do you think? Maeve told me once that this could be a coping mechanism, distracting myself from actually reflecting on the things that happened. I've done. Yeah, it's... I think that's a matter of perspective. Is that why you do it? Do you... Are, maybe a better way to say it. In combination with in your life in general, in this particular moment, have you decided to ignore sleep and thinking about things by waves over to Swiper fixing this up entirely? You think that's uh, maybe. I mean, it's more manageable, yeah? I think okay. thinking of things that aren't really in your control, when you have something that is in your control, I feel it's a little bit more. I feel it's actually crazier to to think about things that you can't control instead of just pouring your time over something that you can. Yeah, yeah, there's a certain kind of wisdom. Yeah, but some say that it's unhealthy, but I don't know. I guess I disagree on that one. I, I understand how it feels to be in a situation where you're caught up in things. Yeah. Is that how in you feel case, now about Gimfrak? Exactly. In mm -hmm. my case, I traveled several thousand to make it right. I, to say I gave up strong, I, I'm sure my family will take me back and return. But it's definitely a harder existence. I, back in Matakali, I mostly here. I'm what, being consumed by oozes or I'm about a half step away from doing things that run across my moral in a way that I don't think I could stomach. Here, it's the line between violating the law and I don't even know how to fucking phrase it. 
be an actual force of law in a world where those who are supposed to be are motivated by currency. Baruch, mm. around this time, right, you're talking, you're, you're kind of pouring your heart out about these feelings. Um, the door that you came in is like left cracked just a little bit, and you're looking kind of through Anita because her back was to the door when you came in, and you see something that like startles you, and it looks like a, the the tail of an animal sort of slithering through the door, like into this room and out. Like you're pretty sure some sort of creature just slithered from the room you guys were in and snuck out of this crack out of here, and it caught your attention because you were very alert looking in that direction. One second, and I'll step out the door. Yeah. Open the door. You kind of like open the door fully and give it a quick look around. There is nothing there. There is no animal. There is no footprints. The only disturbance here out in this kind of dirt is your own footprints coming through the, the sort of dry, hard-packed dirt back lot. I'm sorry, I don't know what that was. I, I thought I saw something coming. Maybe I need sleep. Yeah, and I think you like probably like, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna ask, have you all like talked to Phoebe uh, since you all wake up? Woke, wake up, woke up. Not yet. I, I wanted to come here first. I I guess I assumed that some of the four of us would reconvene with her and then we would get our next standing orders so far as I'm aware we are good to crash here waves hand yeah and I think you you kind of finish that as the door closes and the camera kind of goes out and leaves you guys we hear that conversation kind of drifting away and the noise picks back up as you guys begin you know reworking on Wybert and kind of continuing the repairs he's really close to being functional Anita he's just you know he needs a lot of repaired stuff I think the ooze kind of got through some of the cracks and and really rusted out some of the inner workings of his wiring and that's you're you're just replacing like basically like a hundred tiny little wires and soldering it to the correct location it's it's a lot of like precise work that needs to be done to get wiper oh, and the camera leaves this sort of gunworks tin shack out in the the uh, back of the the bar and and drifts back towards past the bathroom back towards the, the tavern. And as we kind of push in through one of the windows, we can see a few people have already gathered here. Um, most of the people that have slept here in the morning have already gotten up and gone off to work or other places. There's already like three or four people that are like here for like drinks and just avoiding whatever plagues them in their day, but two that are kind of exhausted looking and sitting here in the middle of the, the bar with the table to themselves is Reficule and Halbrand. So the camera sort of comes into the two of you uh, and we see off to the side, like Phoebe has woken up. She looks exhausted um, and you see her. She's got that dossier that like Saruk dropped off to her. And you just see her like with her like eyepiece, and she's just flipping through, writing stuff down. And she, she's doing the, like breaking the code while making sure the bar is getting up and running for the day. 
Alright. Right, Hal. So, what'd you wake me up so early for? Uh, BB said that you wanted to see me in the common room. Oh, I'm not really sure it was me. I was dead asleep. Well, not that asleep. I was really sleeping. She said that you wanted to see me. Bloody fucking hell. What time is it? Yeah, you can look Uh, over. The sun's out. (laughs) Oh god, it's way too early. (laughs) That's the best description of like too early. I don't... I'm not a big fan of the sunlight. It makes everything look washed out. Now, last night when you saw the... Well, when you saw that fungus patch, it was vibrant. But during the day when the sun's out, everything just looks washed out to me. That's not normal. I think it's mostly the opposite for most people. Not like don't don't get me wrong. I'm no big fan of the daytime either. Right? It's bright, gets in your eyes, makes it hard to shoot. People see where you're going and coming to. But uh I think most people actually see better during the day than at night. Hmm. I mean not not most people I know. I mean, hell, I only know you, you, and some of the shield marshals, but I could definitely see better at night. Everything looks much more vibrant, like comes alive, like the night blooming jasmines down by the, you know, the brothel. Like in the back there, there's the alley. If you go over another street and you turn right, one of the big shots have them planted in front of their walled off house. And you could go there just after sundown. It smells fantastic. You could actually see them. You could, you know, at night they bloom like a nice lavender color. A little golden pollen radiates up into the air. It's, it's a sight to see. And, well, it smells nice. Yeah. Not much uh, smells nice around here. Not the biggest fan of those, actually. Uh, from like from the corner like as you guys have this moment of silence like Phoebe is like kind of looking over her like eyepiece calls out to you guys like boys I'll be right with you I got some work Uh, are your friends ready available I mean maybe you can round them up I I just love to finalize plans just give me like 10 minutes and she like disappears how about some whiskey while while we're waiting whiskey yeah that was my that was my first request. <laughs> that was uh, second one is after this meeting. Can I go back to bed? Me too. Uh, I guess I'm not your mother's. And then she like goes behind the bars, and uh, you, you said two whiskeys or the bottle. Yeah, the bottle. Great. Uh, bottle's gonna run you ten gold. Split it. Two whiskeys. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, two whiskeys. Great. Uh, flaming whiskeys or regular whiskeys? You look on over the bar and like a behind her, you see there's like a big sort of like touristy sign for like uh, the Barrel and Bullet famous fiery side whiskey. What do you think, Hal? I think it probably will keep me awake. 
Oh, I'm gonna pass on the flaming stuff. I'll give it right. a try. Oh, right. Okay, so she she gets she. There's no bar like there's no like racks behind her. She has everything under the counter. She doesn't keep it where people can just reach over and take it. She's got everything locked up. So she goes underneath. She unlocks the bar. She pours one straight whiskey for Hal, and then for Refugio, you watch. She she basically puts a glass out. She's got two like bottles. One is the same whiskey that poured for Hal, and she adds it to the cup. She's got another clear bottle of something that she pours and mixes into the glass. And then you see her duck underneath the counter for just a minute. And she comes up and she has a small, almost looks like a poison vial type thing. And she unscrews a lid and has like an eyedropper. And she just very carefully does three drops of something into the water. And as she does, it like bursts into like flame. And the whole thing is now literally burning. And she comes over to your table and she puts the drink down in front of each of you. Um, so she does. She does let you know. Uh, and uh, she she puts it down and she says, "I'll just open a tab." And she leaves the drinks and disappears. I was gonna say, I think uh, drinks are on the house. Usually, if you're gonna be waking people up, but uh. Well, doesn't sound like she's giving you free drinks. Cheers, breakfast champions, see? Cheers. And I'll down the shot without even putting it out. Okay, yeah, without even putting it out, you just down it. So, um... Oh, man, where is this? There's a macro for this, and I don't see where it is. There's actually an effect if you drink this drink. I... Come on, Foundry people! Wait, yeah. Where is where is the? Uh... Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, it's a roll table. It's not a macro. That's why. So I'll go ahead and roll and see what effects happen to Reficule. Uh, you drink the flaming whiskey without putting it out. It literally singes and burns the inside of your mouth and throat as the fire washes down. Uh, for the next. One hour, you have a minus one penalty on linguistic base, like, social checks. And you cannot yell or sing for eight hours. Just about to give a performance, too. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't hurt you. It, it's weird. You would expect the flames to hurt. It burns, but there's no pain other than the lingering effects of a fiery burnt road. It was really weird. You're, you know, your, your face didn't catch fire. Your hair didn't catch fire. Your clothing didn't catch fire. Just a slight burning in your mouth. It's, it's pretty good. Yep. <laughs> Not bad. First, Not bad. First time again. Uh, oh, I just... I haven't drinking too many things on fire before. Figured I'd try it. You're a little quieter than normal. But hurt, like... Bother you a little bit? It's got a bit of a tingle, but didn't actually burn too bad. But uh, a bit scratchy going down. You see a thought bubble go over Hal's head, and it's, there's a picture of Anita sitting next to him, eating at the <laughs> prison. Just <laughs> <laughs> right. There's a little shot of the whiskey for the stream too. It they, I, they she she serves it with like a slice of cactus on the edge of the rim of the glass. Too. 
Well, the sooner we go get uh, our friends, right? The sooner we're going to hear what Phoebe has to say, the sooner we can get back to... You want to try and get at... Worst part of the day off. If you want to go in there, try to get Anita out of that workshop before she's finished working, you be my guest. I'd love to see it happen. Maybe if we just stay here, Phoebe will go and do it. I think that's a better option. So <laughs> you sit and wait and long enough for Phoebe to like have to go do it. So uh, it's she she asks for ten minutes. It actually she takes about thirty before she's ready. Um, and then she rolls her eyes. She goes out to like the bullet like workshop, like kicks in the door like really loud and says, "You're needed." And doesn't even, like, just shouts it into the room and turns around and walks away. What happened? I, I, what? I, now someone definitely opened the door. <laughs> yes. Steps outside again. You, you see uh, Phoebe walking back towards, towards the bar. And she kind of walks in to the saloon, looks at, like, Rich, or, um, Halbrant and Reficule, and just motions you and walks back to the same meeting room she's been using for all of your sort of secret briefing. Come on, we can get back to this after maybe five minutes. <laughs> I have to? Do I have to? I'd have to. We have to. Come on. Uh, Alright. Oh, by I mean, the way, I'd love to still hear about your sisters. Yeah, of course. Uh, on that note, tomorrow I'm planning on stopping by Al spending some of the money we're making on a a very, very large party, which will involve a lot of food, and I'm probably going to try to bring some shit up around the place. If you want to show up, I'm, I'm sure I'll be in a talkative mood. All right. A party, if I haven't passed out yet. <laughs> that is... Please sleep. But first this, come on. All right. Okay. Uh, so, Hal and Ruffy, you see, like, Saruk and Anita coming. Uh, coming back into the tavern, and you you guys just, you know, you see them. You see, I guess you wouldn't see, you see the remnants of a, a whiskey glass with a slice of cactus on the side. This bell be good. That. Uh, Refy said that's really good. You right up your Whoa. alley. A drink. I mean, after it's you're done. Flammy whiskey. Not that bad, huh? <laughs> I'm sure it's good. Ruffy looks like he's hurting. It's fine. It's fine. It's only because he got up <laughs> I early. drink it. <laughs> so, uh, once, yeah. <laughs> you, oh, there, there's no more flaming whiskey, right? It's just the regular whiskey left, I think. I think we, we drunk all of it. We, we yeah. just got two. <laughs> you, can, you can order another one if you want. But Phoebe yeah. is the one that makes it. Yeah. Um... So anyways, we're, we're back into the this, this same meeting room. She keeps bringing you back to this first meeting room, like it's a private room. She shuts it. As soon as she shuts it, the whole world like kind of dims out. It, it's very deceptively well built because the minute she closes it, it's completely silent. No sounds coming in or out of here. This is where she conducts a lot of her secret business. And she just, first thing she asks is, so, I get you slept okay? Those of you who slept and she kind of like sideways is a glance at you, Anita. I 
could have slept earlier if you didn't take me out of my workshop. Well, I could have actually slept without headphones or he earplugs. There we go. Earplugs. I know words. <laughs> if uh, you hadn't been working in my workshop all night. It's essential. Why but it's needed by the team? Why but isn't there? And a lot of us would have been dead right now. So the rest of you, your accommodations were acceptable. Yeah. You've had Except for the early morning wake up call. Well, we got business to attend to. You can get back to sleep. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Have you had a bit of time to digest the awesome secret that I revealed last night? And she does like one of these flourishes. Yeah, with spies. Collectively, we've had enough time to either go fix a large construct or <laughs> immediately pass out from an eventful evening. But go on. Well, first of all, you're welcome for getting you out of jail, those of you who I sprung yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> she literally stares and waits for the thank you before she continues, right? She lets that, like, in uncomfortable moment hang for a long time. You're welcome. Hey, were you, uh, depositing any funds into Anita's account? Because she was reading a lot of books while she was in there. She'd go to the commissary and, like, check out a book or two, and then I'd go to check out a book, oh. and most of them were gone. Well, I made sure you had a little bit of comfortableness while you were in there, I hope. Hope you got some of my little gifts along the way, my care packages. Appreciate That's it. That's you. Yes, what? Because, <laughs> because Anita, like I said last night, I think you're the key to to what we need to do next. Because, and bear in mind, anything I say here is considered top secret. If you breathe a word of this to anyone outside of this room, I will kill you. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, she just has that like stoic like look on her face. Like she doesn't. If she's joking, she's trying to make it seem like she's not. For this next job. The Duchess has asked us to secure some very precious cargo. She slides like under her thing, a big old like broadsheet across the table. And it's a poster that says Vashon Gattleby's Pyronite Exhibition at Blithier College. And the poster itself, it looks like there's this man. He's got like crazy hair goggles on his forehead he looks dirty even in this like poster someone made of him to make him look his best he still looks filthy um and it's he's clearly like old in his 50s not quite as old as Al, but you know getting there um and he's there's some hyperbolic copy all written on the page that says once in a lifetime explosive showcase and i think oh. at, as as oh sorry good oh go ahead i was just gonna lean over to refi and say i'm 38 <laughs> Stark white, there, right. yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> the man uh, wastes will wear on you. 
<laughs> so uh, I think Anita's looking down at this this um, flyer, and you like blink, and there's like a cross cut, and we see like a younger, not much younger, but a very less worn on your face, cut back to like three months ago, three months and some change ago, and we see an auditorium like full of people, and there's students here at Blither College. And we're in one of the largest auditoriums that exist on the campus. The room is packed. This the same poster is plastered all over the wall. Gattleby's face, you know, explosive showcase once in a lifetime. There's there's all this talk about people and if this is really gonna be as revolutionary as as it says, because there's a lot of theatrics that goes on in the kind of academic circuit and trying to make your work seem a little bigger than it is. And you know, everyone is kind of hushed into their seats and you take a seat and there is a sort of um, a tapping of a microphone and one of your um, professors gets up and says, it's my great pleasure to welcome Vashon Gattleby. And there's like a polite clapping. Ooh. Yeah, Anita, you you know Gattleby, right? Mm-hmm. He's one of my mentors. There's, there's that like... Yeah, so so he's standing up on the stage. He's looking out into the sea of people, and you know, Anita, he made eye contact with you, and you can feel it, right? Like he Asha! waves. Good luck. Yeah, he does. You wave at him like that, and he does like a wave, like at the whole crowd. But like you've taken it as like a wave to you, right? <laughs> of course. And he gets up on stage, and he talks about black powder. These, the cornerstone of Alkenstar technology. Yes, for its time, it was a great invention. But alas, we can do better. And he uh, he goes behind him, and he has this giant sort of, like, tube of something. And he holds it up. And he says, this is what I call Pyronite. A safer, more stable, an explosive for our future. Let me demonstrate. And he calls and he waves on and somebody rolls out a super heavy iron safe. Not quite as big as the one you guys robbed, granted, the night before. It is a freestanding safe that can be rolled out onto the stage, but it's got 12 inch steel thick doors on it. Let me demonstrate for you exactly how revolutionary this is. And he gets he opens like the canister and he gets like some tweezers he has and he carefully draws out a tiny little pellet, no more than the size of like a bullet head. He says, if my calculations are correct, this should prove to be extremely sufficient in removing these doors. And uh, there's like a, a sign goes up and it's like goggles on everyone. And like everyone reaches under their seats and puts on their little science goggles. And, like, the whole audience is, is like, kind of putting it on. And um, Gattleby gets up there, right? And he takes right on the hinge. He places one little, this little drop of this pyronet right on the edge of it. And you watch as he takes, like, a little, um, almost like a twisty fuse thing and, like, connects it and goes over to where he's got a detonator ready. And he's behind a blast shield. And he counts down, like, three, two, one. For our future! And he pushes the button. And everything goes to hell. 
The explosion is so powerful that the entire safe door is exploded. The whole back of the auditorium explodes with fire. The whole back of the room is now on fire, charred. The safe has gone through a wall three classrooms away and landed in the middle of someone's lecture. The giant door has shot across the audience and cartwheeled its way right up the middle as people dive out of the way and like people get crushed. There's like one sort of like person that gets caught under the door as the door like falls over and like fire alarms start going off and the whole room like gets filled with like fire extinguisher as the room puts itself out and we come back into this moment as Nina Anita is staring at that poster. Yeah, Anita, you know all about pirate. That was a marvelous demonstration that he did. It did end up very badly, though. Yes, badly is one way of putting it. I mean, he leveled high, half of Blithier's auditorium, did he not? He didn't kill anyone. Well, not for a lack of trying. Well, I don't think he tried, but you know what I mean, right? This stuff is... Well, it's powerful. And Gattleby's invention has definitely gotten some notoriety and quite a few admirers recently. And not all of them of the right mindset. She stops Everyone wants a piece of the man, a piece of an invention, including our mutual acquaintance, Ambrose Douglas. Thankfully, Gattleby has turned down everyone who's tried to hire him, buy the formula outright. He has holed himself up in his house since the demonstration and hasn't taken a single visitor or left. He's obsessed with what he calls fixing his failures. But not everyone sees it as a failure. They see it as a very lucrative opportunity. Fortunately, right, so, that's good. So the Duchess wants us to get bashing. Right. The Duchess has con the Duchess and I have convinced Gattleby he'd be better off here in my workshop safe from prying eyes where nobody knows where he is once he's safe back here at the barrel and bullet I if simple enough right go get Gattleby bring him back here and I'll pay you 50 gold a piece for making it happen did you already try before Try getting Gattleby. He... And for good reason, Gattleby is short on trust these days. You, however, have a connection, do you not? He knows you. He trusts you? He's worked with you before? You are his yeah. peer, no? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Perfect. When he... When we dropped your name, he said... If you're involved, he's in. Speaking of trust. Nice. I had no problem. 
getting into business with someone who wanted to take down Mugland like we did. But how do we know that we can trust you now and trust the Duchess? If the Duchess is involved, if she is your patron, why doesn't she just gather fashion herself? Take down Mugland herself. Improve the lives of the people in this city herself. She's the Duchess, is she not? Ruffy is correct, I question. Your role in this, perhaps, is the best way to phrase it and why we are here. When you've been in politics as long as we have, it's very, it's no secret that you can't accomplish everything that needs to be done with decrees and signatures and tariffs. Sometimes you need someone to get your hands dirty on the ground floor. That's where I, and now you, come in. I've been someone's hands who didn't want to get their own dirty. How do you know that... How do we know that we won't get burned at the end of this? Indeed. What's to say we don't go and do the thing and then what, we come back with several bullet holes in us if all of us even come back at all. Where's the pullback? Do we get, what, swooped in by the Duchess and her forces and carried away off to safety? Or is it the status quo is maintained and four other people, some of which might have a connection to the person you need, are roped into the thing and then put on the front line. Listen, we do what we do because... What we do cannot be linked with the Duchess. There is no cavalry coming. There is no safety net. You're right. You are here because you are expendable. But I offer you simple choice, right? I offer you the opportunity for the revenge and the opportunity to make this place a little safer at the same time. You don't want to do that? That's fine. The door is right there. I'll uh, round up. I'll, I'll call some of the, the shield marshals. We can book you right now for the crimes you've committed. And the world will be a more dangerous place. Aye, especially if we're all dead. And Rafi emphasizes all. Are you not also guilty of many things like, oh, I don't know. Hiring a bunch of people to do crimes? Unofficially. But I have friends in high places. Then if you do this, you'll have friends in high places. I'm not interested in any more friends in high places. How? What guarantee do we have that once the Duchess gets what she wants, that she won't just cut us loose? And leave the status quo as it has been and let Muglin do what he's been doing for years in her city. The stakes... The stakes are higher than ever now. Ironite is... It's dangerous. Gattleby blew up nearly an entire building with, what, 
a dose no bigger than the size of a musket ball. If Bugling gets a hold of this, who knows what he's going to do with it. He's a businessman. He sees this as a purely financial thing, but the fallout effects of this technology in the open, it's something that Alkenstar and, frankly, the world cannot abide. I'm not questioning logic. Questioning whether or not. Never mind. We're going to go in circles today, and you're worried. Oh, and you're worried about dying. I'll give you a choice. If you're worried about dying, that's fine. You can go right back to. I can send you to prison today, and you can live out your days happily ever after. Yeah. Okay. Because that's any kind of a fucking choice. Exactly. I'm glad we're on the same. So, you're gonna. We're gonna go. go go on these uh, fetch quests of yours <laughs> and uh, get, you know, paid to do it. And if we want, we can just crash here on the floor. Is that I right? will gl- I will gladly hold a room for you. You don't have to sleep on the floor, but yeah, you're welcome. I mean, I was literally here. sleeping in an alley behind a brothel last week, so... Uh, well, no, actually... Aldo's for the last few months, but before that, uh, you know, due to some due to some unforeseen circumstances, um, I was sleeping in a brothel. You got me out of prison. I don't want to go back there. Uh, Great. So I'm willing to do the work as long as you can lead me to Angelique. Well, she's attached to Muglin at the hip. She's involved in this as much as anyone. So you're authorized to speak on behalf of the Duchess then I've I've been given my orders right so let me ask you this then criminal to criminal if we give the Duchess what she wants I want Muglin To do what? That's all I need. Like, want Muglin, want Muglin? A little more civilized than that, and I lean back and pull the jacket back and the dueling pistol at my hip. Well, that's what I'm offering a shot. Muglin, right. Loveless, they want the formula desperately. Have no shred of evidence of their plans up to this point, but it's only a matter of time till they slip up. And when that happens and he makes a mistake and you are there, you'll have your chance to make things right. Whatever that means to you. Fair enough. That was a question. Now here's the warning. As I said, I've been the hands of friends in high places who tried to cut them off after there were no more use. But I'm still here. And I'll still be here if that happens again. Can drink to that. 
one criminal. Nay, one survivor. Anita. Uh, uh. Remind me not to wake up Reficule early in the day. Yeah, you're never supposed to. Did you do that? He's he's in a he's in he's in some sort of way right now. Oh, all right. So we're getting got that'll be that'll be. Sorry. Oh, and then also, uh, uh, Phoebe like kind of pinches the bridge of her nose. She goes, "Oh, right. One more hiccup. As part of our arrangement, Gattleby has made us." promise that he'd be able to make a stop along the way here. Near Ironside Quarter, there's some abandoned brewery. Got me why, but that's the deal. Stop at a place called the Yeast of All Brewery. Anyway, it, it might be a good place to lay low and catch your breath if you need to. Either way, we don't have much time from the information I have Muglin and Loveless are likely to make a play for Gattleby soon he's been moving money around paying off some shady folk I give you guys four days to get Gattleby out of it four days beginning today or four days beginning tomorrow four days from today You can go sooner, but I wouldn't wait any longer. Be ready. Muglin's mercenaries are everywhere. Loveless's street gangs are patrolling the streets. Anyone else under our rival's thumbs, they're going to be throwing everything they got at you. Um, and she kind of pulls out a little map of Alcastar and unravels it for you guys. Um, so I'll activate this map for you real quick. Um, but um, you should scout the route you plan to take with Gattleby just to make sure it's safe. Um, Anita, he's expecting you, so you have to be there to take contact. All right. Any well, other? He know, does he know that we're coming? Like he's on, agreed. He's agreed. Like four days from now, he knows that we're coming. Well, I don't know if you know this, Anita, but a lot Probably of these, don't. a lot of these eccentric types, they don't like to leave their work behind. He's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Must have been that whiskey. Whatever it is, it's infectious. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's her. Thing. Like any other concerns I can alleviate, and she smiles at Saru. Saru just smiles back. Great. Do you have any other questions? You know where to find me. Oh, I almost forgot. She kind of goes into her um, little inside of her vest and she pulls out a little pouch with like 10 gold coins in it and she tosses it and it lands like in front of you, Saru. Does that information you brought the ledger hand out? Turns mm -hmm. out that Dresch, the manager of the bank, had been 
embezzling from Muglin for some time. Mm. Now we have the leverage, we might be able to get her to crack. She kind of so glad to have been of service. She kind of winks and uh, she uh, she go ahead and leaves the room. But yeah, you guys have 10 more gold. I mean, she handed it to Saruk, but you guys can divide it as you want. 10 gold uh, bonus for bringing that in. And she, as uh, the last thing she says, remember, no one outside. And she closes. I hate this fucking city. Oh, it's a sad usual. Hey, you all could meet Vashin. Oh, great. You're a funny man. Does anyone have any pressing need to do this today? Well, we do it four days. The only thing I need to do is uh, head out to a fence that I was getting stuff out on the desert for. Uh, he has a kind of a unique sword. I don't think he knows I know it, but sitting there under his junk pile. I mean, y'all can, and I point to Saruk and then you finish fixing your robot. I need to make a couple purchases. Maybe after the sun goes down, Reficule, head out that way. I don't feel like sleeping much right now. Well, I'm gonna go after the sun goes down. Go like you're gonna start scouting for the routes to Vashin, like what Phoebe said. No, I just need to buy buy a few things. So mechanically, there is because you now know the yeah the map, you know where everything is. You've unlocked this new downtime activity you guys can spend during these four days if you want to spend any of your time doing it. This is the uh, scout the route sort of downtime activity. Uh, it takes half a day of downtime. So if you spend a full day, you can do it twice. Basically, what you do is you you basically walk the route, try to plan, look for any like shady spots or best places. And um, every time you succeed in the check, you earn, um, I think they're called preparation points. And... Every time you earn two preparation points, I'll give you a bit of info that you can use that will help prepare for what's going to happen. And during the actual like escort mission, you can cash the points in you've earned to help the group overcome challenge. So the more time you spend being prepared, the easier it'll be during the escort mission. But the information you learn is all group shared. But the, the scouting points you earn are individual. Oh. Yeah, so I just need to go and buy a few things. All right. I mean, I think that I'm going to pass out soon. So, um, maybe. Is it all right if. You guys wait for me to wake up again and then we can start planning things out. Or I could stay and plan things out right now. I just don't know. I'll be a lot of help. Because I don't even know where I'm at. I don't know where my fingers are at. No, I'm yeah, going to bed. doesn't surprise me. Get some rest. I, I think I'll defer to the locals on this one. You all know this place better than I do. Get some sleep, oh, Annie. Uh, thinking about it. Tomorrow night I'm stopping by Aldo's and I'm going to invest Goodbye. in the town a little bit. In a way that involves a lot of food and a lot of drink. Yes, you all are, of course, invited. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep really quick. 
Oh wait, no, fuck. I gotta finish Wyvern first. I'll finish Wyvern and then. <laughs> you tell when you're going to sleep and then you go back and finish Wyvern. <laughs> um, Just sleep grinding. <laughs> I probably fall asleep like on top of Wyvern. <laughs> yeah, we will say though, before you end up passing out fully, you do successfully get Wyvern up and running. Like, next the last thing you flip them on and then the like the little emotive like eye like flap like comes to life and it gets stuck for a second and then <laughs> Wybert is staring up at you with like all the emotion that a robotic one-eyed creature with a single eyebrow flap oh you're the best mate oh <laughs> uh, I think you fall asleep and Wybert scoops you up and carries you to bed yeah I as I go in and check in uh, Refi goes in and checks in on Annie, sees Wybert carrying her off the bed, and I just kind of give a Wybert a pat on the shoulder. Um, yeah, Refi's not really in the mood to sleep anymore. Um, I, I'd like to look around for any sort of old, maybe like coat wooden large wooden like coat hangers like with the multiple you know pegs or uh -huh. old like broken clockwork or mannequin or something around absolutely in 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 the sort of main tavern hall there is a bunch of like currently unused coat racks for like cowboy hats and, and coats uh lining near the front and since they're unused you'd easily be able to scoop one up right so refi takes one of those Kind of goes off into the back of uh, the saloon, maybe into the to the alley. Sets it down there. Takes off his coat. Lays it down. Pulls out that bit of cloth that he found in the uh, in the scrapyard. There. Looks at it for a while and thinks back and looks thinks that it looks very similar. To the wraps of someone he once knew a long time ago. So you see him start to slowly wrap his arms with these with this cloth. Sort of looks at the, the coat hanger. And just with a quick jab, his right hand. You're a thud. Cracks his neck. Does it again. Goes into a cross, then a block, and then an elbow. And you see him start to just go to town on this coat hanger for the remainder of the day. Until he's just drenched in sweat. I think maybe like a few hours into this, right? Sweaty, getting all exhausted. Uh, you don't notice, but there is a voice that's kind of off screen that calls and says, uh, Pretty good at that, kid. I quickly grab my hat, put it back on. I forgot I took off my hat. <laughs> right. Um, not doing all this with that, but qu quickly put my hat back on and turn. Mm -hmm. Who do I see? There is this sort of um, cat folk woman with like, she's got bits of graying at the fur at the ends of her, but she's got this dark orange fur, patches of black like on her feet. She's dressed not dissimilar from you. She's got like a little cowboy duster on. She's got a frilly shirt and some like pants. Um, but you can see that she's almost 
The, the expression on her face is mocking you. She's definitely taller than you, but super lithe and like frail looking. You're pretty good at uh, beating up something that doesn't fight back. Well, bit out of practice. What's it to you? It's been a minute since I tried the old knuckle dusters out, and she she kind of cracks her neck, and you watch. She goes into her coat pocket, and she pulls out, like, a brass knuckles and slips it onto her one hand. And she's got her, like, as she takes her coat off, she's got a gun holstered on, like, the right side, and she puts the, the knuckles on her left hand. And she, like, looks, says, I don't think I'll be needing this, and she unbuckles the gun belt and kind of tosses it onto the side. Mind a, spark. mind a mind a sparring match I'll go and unbuckle my own holster place it nearby <laughs> but uh and I, do, I don't say anything I just unbuckle it smile hands up you, you kind of smile she gets in a position across from you you actually watch as she, she does like an actual like little bow and then she raises her like her uh, fist, her um, brass knuckle fist up, and then uh, she kind of goes right at you. And I think that's where we cut away from you guys, like kind of fighting. We we come back. Uh, we're now in the official like downtime part of the the show. So you guys, according to uh, Phoebe, have up to four days of downtime to use at your discretion. Um, you know what your next mission is. You know what you're doing. Um, and I, you guys, you guys have the floor, and you guys tell me how you would like to spend your time. Starting with, well, you, you've just volunteered. You volunteered. So I think uh, Hal is um, walking into a, like a little store, right? There's like a ding ding of like the door hits the bell, and there's this like kind of like kobold that is like standing behind a counter that you can't even really see. The kobold has to like scuttle up onto the counter just to see over the top. And um, you walk in and, and we see a very weird sort of store. It's a very eclectic store here. There's not like, we're not in a weapon store. We're not in a firearm store. We're like in this curio shop almost. Uh, and the sign that behind the, the counter kind of gives it away, which is just like Miko's pawn shop. And so... so digging in his pockets and he's like I, I had it here somewhere he pulls out a cigarette case and he folds the back and there's a piece of paper and he hands it I'm back finally I know I'm back here you go yeah he, he takes the the paper like oh and this uh, describe what this paper looks like how like it's probably been through some stuff right yeah it's probably a little bit wet right now can be fell into the puddle with the rustus um and it's it had to have been several, like, more than several months old. Probably several years old at this point. Uh -huh. And he's like, I'm sure you can still see the, the numbers on there. Um, except for that uh, dirty sword there. Yeah, the paper is, like, frayed at the end and, like, super stained. Uh, basically, the Miko's like, uh, this paper sort of predates our current tr inventory system. Uh, he point you, he sees you're pointing at like the sword behind the counter, right? Mm -hmm. It's still there. It's yeah, been all these years. 
the dirty one with the curved edge and that black scabbard goes with it. So <laughs> like if, if this paper, if, if you've had this paper this long, I don't think we're in the buyback period anyways. And he like crumples up the paper that you've so carefully kept all these years and tosses it on the floor. And then he goes back and uh, scrambles up there and brings out the sort of like not very well kept long, very unique looking curved sword. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, now that I have the sword back, I'm not going to need this shield. Why don't just buy it from me? Hmm. He looks, it's like rusted on the edge where the ooze got you. Uh, yeah. Looks at it. Uh, he'll, yeah, uh, you, you watch as he, yeah, he, he will take it off your hands if you're willing to, you know, he'll take it off your hands at half price. And he, he begins getting out like this new sort of like paper, like, uh, it's, it's a little notepad with like carbon copy and everything. And he sets it up and he starts making you a receipt for your rusted shield. I, he, I don't need a receipt. I'm not going to need it. Well, just for, you know, for bookkeeping purposes, we have to make sure this is on the up and up. This is not a, a store. This is a pawn shop. There are rules. I literally came to you. Somebody in the alley told me that you deal in illicit goods. And you arranged Looks to meet around me in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. Come on. Come on, dude. Are you with the are you with the cops? I mean, no. Oh, why right, why would I be the cops? Tears the paper, tears it up, throws it on the floor, hands you your sword. Uh, I don't know how much, you know how much the sword is worth, right? Yeah. So whatever you got for it, you can, you know, get it back for, I guess. And right. then uh, uh, he'll give you half value for your shield, your pawn shield. Yep. Is there, so speaking the of illicit goods, what, what are you looking for today? You some firearms? You some... Some, uh, um, illicit materials. No, but um, I might have somebody who can look into something like that. But uh, I, damn, I should have brought that whip too. I left it back in the back in the room, sitting on the counter. Maybe I'll be back uh, later tonight. Well, you know where I am. Uh, he hands you a new business card, Miko's like pawn shop emporium. 90 right. days guaranteed. Three years. Appreciate <laughs> Well, you got lucky this time, old timer. Nobody wanted that. Nobody knows how to use that damn thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who wants a sword when you can have a. Well, you better not say it out loud. And then. Right. Uh, and then right. you're free to <laughs> get that a lot. Head back. Head back in the shadows, back towards the bullet and barrel. Barrel okay. and bullet. So we're still in the sort of first day, and Anita has finished Wyburn and is like now catching up on her disease. Uh, I guess that leaves a bit of time for Refugio and Saroop to do any of this stuff. I guess Refugio, we already know what Refugio's doing. Refugio's back at the thing, just training in the back with this mysterious new entity. So Saruk, what is Saruk doing? Um, during this first time, I mean, Wybert is functional, but he's still like 
missing a lot of his casing and he's like has exposed wires. He still needs work to make himself presentable. He's just functional. He's a, a, awake. Mm-hmm. Well, in that case, with the rest of the day left over, I think it's just sit process, maybe like. I can't imagine there's anywhere in Alcanstar that's a safe place to go for a walk and sort out things. So failing that, it's likely just be outside, like sitting somewhere out back of the saloon, because the room's not that big. Right. <laughs> Flipping through some things, just kind of like staring up into the sun and thinking about the situation that he's in. He's nebulously around if anyone wants to get a hold of him, but there's there's been so much in the past not even 24 fucking hours but processing seems important okay and as as you're kind of doing this and clearing your head uh honestly if, if you're looking for like a quote-unquote safe nice place to go you could always take a meander over to, to skyside cross the restrati cross the bridge over into the strati and walk in the uh the rich part of town fair yeah why not yeah there's actually you know i don't know how much time you spent over but like as you cross the bridge, as you cross the river, it is basically like walking into a different city. Um, the just the demeanor of the people, the clothes they wear, everything is like much more well kept. Uh, the money is spent on this side, having the buildings clean, so that like grime that still accrues is sort of washed uh, at a more regular interval. Um, much more like motor vehicles on this side. The clockwork sort of vehicles are very heavily congested on this side, so it makes it a little hard to like, cross the street without having someone almost run you over. Luckily, they don't go too fast. What? Sure. Sorry, my kids had to me there. The kids put the dice in the microwave. Least, he concerned when the sign. Oh, he didn't put the dice in the microwave, and he didn't push his brother over. Actually, maybe they did put the dice in the microwave. I didn't check. Um... <laughs> I put my brother in the microwave for science. But it is, an, it is a nice way to like clear your head over here um, to like Auburn Hill. And as you do, there is um, actually uh, something that's a pretty cool sight to behold is like an airship field kind of nestled on the side. And you kind of can sit there and watch the airships come and go. Uh, you know, there's no magical travel in and out of Star, So you either hoof it through the desert or like the way that you sort of... Uh, probably came here i don't know how you came here but these airships are the most common gateway to alkenstar but it's a nice way to sort of clear your mind and um as you're sort of sitting in the park um you catch again the glimmer of a like long and you see it more clearly now but it is very clearly a cat's tail like coming out of like a bush a large cat and the tail sort of like sways as the bush shifts and you kind of like look surprised no one around you in the park the people with their kids or anything react to this it's just you seeing cat okay I am clearly seeing things if nobody else in the excuse me in the scene is reacting to this is there something i might be able to recall knowledge about 
What the heck is going on? Uh, sure. Why don't you give me a recall knowledge, uh, religion, or if you have a specific uh, lore, I think you know the the lore skill you're looking to use. Oh, I do, because at level two, I took my favorite. I don't remember the name of the feat, but it lets me to... Uh, <laughs> during my daily preparations, I choose one skill, and I become trained in the skill. For the rest of Saruk's life, it will be lore, the plot. Whatever the <laughs> fuck we're getting up to, I'm going to have the lore check. That's, yeah. that's investigators, right? <laughs> I fucking love investigators. I'll make it secret. I... The macro oh, yeah. will always read more of the plot. <laughs> oh, right. God. In this case, I don't. I don't know what to have said it to. Oh, something along the lines of. Random cat lore. <laughs> I was gonna say corrupt government official lore. Oh, there you go. That seems like a stretch. I'm, I'm just gonna hit the dice. A thing happened. I don't know what yeah, it was. Let's see what you get. So, um. Based on your knowledge of big cat lore, uh, this is very clearly the tale of a jaguar. Those is, don't live out here. Do not native to this region whatsoever. Uh, but, you know, ha has a special place in a, your society where you come from, at least. And my literal faith. Yes. So with that in mind, I think it's an immediate get up and with purpose go to the farm where the Majagwan priest lives that I've been praying and or staying with. Right. I think um, as you uh, kind of get up to go towards there, which is is good, um, you see um, the jaguar itself is no longer hiding from you. Like it is in that bush that you saw it in. And it's curled up, and it looks like it's sleeping. If you'd like to just get up and go to the, the thing, you can. Try to approach it. Okay. How do you approach a sleeping jaguar in a park? With, like, <laughs> children service. playing 10 feet from it. <laughs> so many things on tonight's stream that people should not do. <laughs> I... I th don't pet the jaguar. I don't care what the TikTok did. Don't do it. The <laughs> I think I think I think what we have to do is if I if I think this is a supernatural manifestation and not a real thing because no one else is reacting to it, but it's very obvious and overt. Saruk is going to just like with purpose walk forward and then like take a knee when he gets close enough and then like hold out his arm so the animal can get his scent and stuff. Yeah, so you do that, and like as you approach, the one like sleeping eye goes up, and you can just feel the eye of this thing like staring through like to your soul. Like it is, it is a deep stare that hits you not on just a physical level, but on like a spiritual level. And as you sort of like take that knee, uh, the jaguar sort of like lean, like sits up a little bit and leans its head, and like kind of puts it close to you. I don't think you're what you want me to think. Those words don't make sense. You're not an actual jaguar, are you? I reach, try to scratch behind its ear. Yeah, and the minute you, like, touch and scratch behind the ear as you're saying that, um, you have this sensation of, like, falling. Like, it feels like the ground gives out from underneath you and opens up, and you tumble, and you find yourself in a weird floating sensation, and... 
it's almost like the whole world in that one breath for miles is like connected with you the nature the city the society you and everything around you it just overwhelms your senses in like one pulse out from you and you get a sense that your focus is being directed through the chaos and through the noise towards this farm that you were already thinking of going to and um you know that generally there is a priest that priestess that lives on the outside of town unfortunately um you didn't hadn't had time to, to narrow it down uh this sort of jaguar creature has like pulled away the noise and drawn your senses in and you see about like a mile or so outside the city walls there is a small farm with a house that looks fairly run down with a sort of barren fields with like overgrown wheat kind of reclaiming like clockwork machinery and you are shown this like vision and you just hear the find me here and then you come back and you're like petting nothing in like the bush in this park and like you can see like some of the people are starting to whisper and, and say weird things you don't know how long maybe that that took but everyone is staring at you we don't know how long i've been tripping in the park <laughs> yes sir just stands up and starts walking okay yeah and and you it was it's like a surreal feeling i think maybe one of the most like spiritual moments you've had uh at least here in alkenstar for sure because you've been very disconnected from your sort of a lot of your faith um but yeah, you're able to make your way through the capital district all the way to the far side of Alcastar. Um, and, you know, you're heading out and it's kind of approaching a few, you know, it, it's you got a late start in the afternoon. You only have a few hours of sunlight left. They do warn you that it's not safe to be outside the walls. And they try to, like, make sure, like, are you sure you want to go out there? You sure you want to do this? <laughs> That, that's that's the guards doing that, not the GM doing that. Like, I won't. Yeah, sir, just walks on. Yeah, you just kind of go on. And so you you sort of walk. Um, this 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 happy-go-lucky tavern music doesn't feel appropriate anymore. But I don't know. I'm just going to hit a random Ivan playlist. Jump cut to, like, underwater combat. <laughs> not a combat playlist at least i i tried to Place keep it magic. <laughs> yeah um so you basically kind of like leave the safety of the city the city walls i could say safety in air quotes because you don't necessarily feel safe there but you wander for about a mile out the quote-unquote safety of the alkenstar city walls and as you do this sort of familiar wind whips up and begins blowing strongly through the area. The walls of Alkenstar protect from this kind of heavy winds, but out here, below, like at ground level, you feel it. Um, and you look up, the smog is actually cleared out, and you can see the sky, and you see beautiful colors swirling in the sky above you, uh, high, high above you. And the further outside the walls you get, you start to realize just how quiet it is outside the Click clack, click clack of the city, which your brain has just been tuning out for a while. 
returns you to a sense of quiet that you haven't experienced in a while and it bothers you that it feels a little uncomfortable but you walk through these farmlands they sit around you and you you see now all these farms being tilled there's clockwork machines tilling the fields watering the crops planting the seeds and very few farmers sort of sitting and supervising you see a few maybe fixing a machine here or there or bundling up the crops to be taken in to the city for selling but compared to home you're amazed at just how much one person can do and handle alone thanks to the technology here in Alkenstar um, which is good because there's not a lot of farmland and a lot, a lot of people out here but on the horizon after walking for better part of you know half an hour you see that same vision that same house you were shown an unassuming farmhouse farmhouse with the fields surrounding it and as you come in close to it you realize around this particular farmhouse most of the fields are barren old dried crops of wheat stick up from the ground and a rusted clockwork tractor sits in the middle of the overgrown wheat field the same house you saw in the vision of the entire three fields here on this farm only one the smallest shows any sign of life the small harvest of wheat grows there with a clockwork machine diligently wandering around not much bigger than wybert a bowl of water with holes on his head as he like sprinkles out and just waters the fields of wheat and you see yourself standing here um in this sort of different world than you were in not that long ago what is the rook doing so it's not breaking stride walk up to the front door and knock okay yeah no problem you just walk straight up towards the front door and as you approach you see the house it shows a lot of the same signs of disrepair that the fields around it have um but the front door is made of like a thick reinforced heavy metal door the likes of which you don't see very often back in alkenstar or at home um, and the house itself looks surprisingly sturdy um, as if built to survive some of these dangerous storms that happen out here and as you knock you your eyes drift to the side as you wait for an answer and you see something that strikes you surprises you and that is a wooden carving mounted to the side of the door in the shape of a jaguar and its paint job, which is faded, includes the emerald greens and gold that you might expect refined. Now, there's not a lot of iconography back home, but if someone was to have something, this might be similar what you see. It's like a blending of what you see here in Alkenstar and which you normally experience at home. And painted in barely legible, faded gold paint is one word, an orcish word. Votar is the orcish word for home. And there's like a knock, knock, knock. You're not, you're, you're banging on the door. And uh, it seems like quite a wait before you hear like the like latching of like eight locks on the inside, like bolt, bolt, slide bar, like all this security. And as the door like opens, you have like the sun kind of setting behind you, streaming in. You see an old frail looking orcish woman clearly in her like late 70s uh who uh is like squinting which with you and the sun 
And she says, Arky, is that you? No, I, I'm sorry. She, I, she's already run out to hug you. <laughs> I, uh, the, the, I sort of awkwardly returns the hug. Uh, no, I, I believe I was... I tap the, the jaguar sculpture. I believe I was summoned here. Summoned? Did I... No, did I... Let me find my pocketbook. Hang on. How much do I owe you? Not a thing. She's very... I'm sorry. My name is Okri. And she, you know, uh, reaches out. I I get a little confused sometimes. I'm sorry. You have to level with me. What is going on here? First things first, my name is Saruk. I'm... Never have I ever received what I can only interpret as some sort of, dare I say, divine vision. I don't know. It, I was directed here. I was supposed to find someone. I presume that someone is you. Well, I mean, perhaps. Uh, just come in, come in. And she, like, like let invites you in. Uh, and like locks the door like all eight deadbolts behind you um, and you realize she lives here like uh, the house is empty she's alone here um, there is a small sort of like sh- you can call it a shrine but like a sort of area in this living room that is dedicated to um, Majagua uh, but it looks kind of neglected and she wants she, she immediately just is like let me get you something, dear, to, to refreshment of some sort. We can sort this Water, out. Water, it's fine. Thank you. Water. Uh, she goes. I'm sorry. Do you mind if I clean the shrine? It's. Yeah, that's. It looks like it's seen better days. You feel free. I mean, that was, that was sort of my son's thing. And she goes off into the kitchen. You can hear her talking back, um, as she starts like getting like uh she doesn't have like running water, so she's got like buckets that she's like uh doing the like pump pump to get water from like under her house for you um and yeah you see the shrine and it's it's not bad it's not falling apart but it's literally got like a nice layer of like dust that has settled on it over the last by your estimation probably years in which case Saruk will just pull a cloth from somewhere on his person and begin getting the dust off of it sure she comes out and she sees you cleaning it and she hands you like a little a wooden glass of water and she says, yes, that was. Sorry, it's been some time since I've talked about it. My son. Arky, you look like him, you know. I'll take the compliment. I, I hesitate to ask what happened, but I think I can put two and two together. I. I haven't been in Falcon Star long. I've I've seen enough to know. Something bad? Is that the way of the world? No, but it's the way of here. I may be very, very late, but for what it's worth, I'm sorry. She smiles and she nods herself. She says that he, he died the way he wanted to, protecting others. That is 
It is what he preached. It's what he stood for. I hate for. to call anything a good death, but as far as deaths go, it's better than most. Now, uh, you say something called you here. Something summoned you was the word. Indeed. I, I think the shortest version, if this was your son's, we, we share a faith. I mean, I think I still share your faith, if even if it's a little shaken. Fair. I'm sorry. I, I made a presumption. It's okay. Let me guess. Seeing jaguars. Yeah, exactly. Arky used to see them too when he was little. Strange for someone your age to see them for the first time. Circumstances are what circumstances are. I don't know. I'm, I've had not a lot of time to think about I'll spare you the gory details, but I'm here on business. Sir Gare quotes business. <laughs> and that business has expounded itself in ways that aren't great and ways that are hard to swallow. That's what he loved the most about this place, you know? Go on. He... He liked the challenge. I, I suppose I doomed him to this life. It was it was I who brought us here. No, where are you from? Atakali. Oh, no shit. Me too. I can tell what from brought the, you? the accent. I've what lost. You I've lost mine over the years. Uh. Indeed change uh you know i was i didn't like that if i raised a son at home he was going to be raised as a warrior if i came out here on a farm you know what still died a warrior Funny how that works. Can't escape fate, can you? I prefer to frame it as not a matter of escaping, but a matter of making sure you put your feet where you want to go on the way. The conclusion may not be what you want, but you can. <sighs> I guess make sure the pieces fall where you want to along the way in the story. A nice way of looking at it. It's the coping mechanism that I'm keeping while I'm here. I know it well. My son, he... He was not raised in our society, but something out here found him anyways. And I think... I think it called to him came of age I think maybe 
Maybe it's calling. Maybe. Certainly I will take all the help I can get. Sort of takes a very long drink of the water. Come with me. She kind of gets up and starts shuffling her feet like through her fairly small house. And uh, she leads you to like this, this door and it's her son's bedroom door. I've I've tried to honor him. I've kept it as clean as I could. I'm not. And she just pushes the door open. Words fail her. And you can see in this room, it's it's definitely like a, you know, a bedroom that's decorated in like a warrior sort of of a thing with like weapons and posters and drawings and very minimal furniture, but we're standing in the middle of the room in a sort of like mannequin body is a very magnificent suit of plate mail armor. And you can see this entire armor is made from this like emerald green paint job, smooth sort of rounded edges from head to toe um, as like a base layer. But and, and there's very little signs of damage on there, but where the chest and the shoulders are, there's like this golden triangle that kind of comes up and raises over the edge, making very sharp edges. And this golden triangle is made, or at least coated in a very beautiful gold sort of color. And the most striking sort of dominating feature you see is the helmet, and it's opened and it's made of that same gold, but it looks like an open jaguar mouth roaring where the wearer's face sits within the mouth of the jaguar. And also a pair of golden jaguar feet to match the boots. And us. Uh, uh, I've never... I mean, I've seen it before, but holy shit, I've... Sir just moves forward, begins like looking it all up, down, left, right. Yeah. As you like step forward towards it, you can see the the plate, the suit mail like kind of shifts to the side and curled on the bed. The same panther sleeping on the bed behind, and uh, you watch as uh, Okri is kind of watching this. She smiles. She's having flashbacks to like her son, and she just kind of closes the door to give you some privacy. And. Uh, the jaguar that's like sitting on the bed purring it as you look over uh, opens that same one-eyed look and like hops down off the bed and comes over to you and immediately begins like sniffing at you very intensely. Hello again. Hello. Okay, now we're on speaking terms. <laughs> Do you have a name? Yes. My name is Kijak. I, I'm, I must apologize for my projection, but I am a spirit emissary bound this and he like kind of rubs himself on the side of the, the, the armor. I've sworn to find someone to take up its mantle both body and spirit. I have seen many souls here, but uh, you are the first potential, sir. 
I see. Well, looking. Saruk moves forward, pulls the helmet yeah. off the mannequin. Yeah. The the panther, or sorry, the jaguar, not the panther, watches you as you're uh, sort of like taking it up, and he doesn't stop you, right? Or it doesn't stop you. Um, I'm looking for one who is willing to take up the title of Emerald Jaguar. A very worthy symbol of Kazatul. Karma Jagua, as you may know her. But be warned, this decision does not come lightly, Saruk. It is a selfless commitment. You must make a pledge to the mother of Jaguars. To embody her will here to protect those who need protecting. In the pledges back home are similar. I think I can stomach it. In return, you will be given her blessing. A small shard of Kazatul's divine power that you will carry until the day you pass on. Where you may join her at the root of the sky. Take your place amongst the rest of the church. I see. You do not need to make this decision now. But when you are ready, if you are ready, there are some prerequisites. I'm listening. I will need you to take care of Arcus's mother, Okri. A nice woman out there. We owe him that much. Help her to return home so she may finally lay her family to rest. So she can finally be. Then, turn here. Swear your vows to cousin, and the power shall be yours. I see. So, you realize Matakali is very far from here. I'm more than happy to, but I don't exactly. Uh, there's a bit of a time frame. If only, which I'm if only there was currently trapped in technology that could help. You need not escort her home. Simply put her on an airship. She has no money. She has no means. She cannot keep up this farm. You take care of her. And that'll be the first step in many together. That is considerably easier. Fair enough. Yeah, I can. I'm sure I can spring for an airship ticket. You know. You've got quite a big brain in there and like the big old like jaguar paw like taps you on, on your head and like taps the helmet that you're holding. I do what I can. I thank you. I'm not sure it's going to fit this helmet. We might have to make some alter. Sir tries to put the helmet on. It like 
your head is much bigger <laughs> than the other one. So like it, it, it like basically gets stuck. You could force it down if you really wanted to. It's not so tight you can't wear it, but like it definitely. You're generally the same size, but you need a, some slight alterations to make it truly your own. I think looks good on you. If you're into helmets that sit around the temple, fucking pulls it off. Yeah, you struggle with it a second, you yank it off, and when you look, uh, the panther is gone. Ejok is not here anymore. So Saruk will begin the process, I suppose, of, like, getting the armor off the mannequin and getting it, like, packed up for travel. Mm Mm-hmm. After that's done, then circling back up, out the door. Ma'am, I... If I were to give you 30 gold right now, say that that could buy you certainly a... I don't know what the first class tickets out here go for, but a better than coach ride from here to Matakali and with spending money left over for you to start a new life somewhere. Are you asking if, I'd, that interest you? if I'd go? Yeah. He starts tearing up a little bit. You see, like, like the, the tears in her eyes. Why? Why would you do this for me? To speak frankly, because Alkenstar kind of sucks. But in more broad terms, there are better places back home than here. You you don't deserve to live out the rest of your days on a farm that you can barely keep up yourself in a town that is what it is. I find myself with a lot of extra spending money. It is the least I can do. Again for the second time tonight, you find her arms, like, wrapped around you as she kind of embraces you. Uh, of course I'll go. But oh, quite a bit of packing. And she starts kind of, like, immediately going around her house and grabbing, like, all the stuff that she considers valuable to start throwing into suitcases to start packing to uh, to go home for the first time in some time so I um, and she will invite you to stay with her and, and at least she'll invite you to stay for the night at least and, and help get her packed and ready to go um, yes Rick immediately when when the old woman starts trying to pack just like get out from I got it I got it I got it don't actually wait hold on and then pen paper writes down names that he definitely knows what are mm-hmm. and an address passes over this is where my mother and father live We've been out of touch since I've come here. I don't know where the rest of my siblings are at the moment. We, we've we spread our wings, shall we say. But if I can ask a favor, if you could go back and let him know that Saruk's fine and will be home as soon as he can, I would really appreciate it. Sure, you're coming home. Sometimes we spread our rings and get home too late. And you can see she's holding, like, two small, like, ceremonial vials that are holding, like, the ashes of two people, her son and someone else. Well, 
Fitz, who just solemnly nods and assists in all of the packing of all of the things. Okay. And there is sort of like that, like, kind of, we, we kind of come out of the farm where we can see the, uh, the farm that is barely struggling along as the sun has, like, set in the background. Um, and yeah, so Ruga's taking the first step on a journey. That will be to come. Understand the assignment that was play the game where you were outlaws. <laughs> yeah. It's a matter of perspective. In some ways, you're outlaws. In some ways, you have a license to do whatever you want, signed by the legal backer of the city. God. <laughs> it's dangerous out there alone. Take this. <laughs> Take this suit of plate mail. <laughs> But yes. You're gonna get shot out a lot. Take this. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that probably wraps up, like at least that scene for now. Um, and um, we, is there anything else? I, I think maybe we come back and we see like a super sweaty Reficule like dueling against this this cat, and and we see like Ruffy is like got like scratch marks in his clothes, and like she's gotten the better of you like quite a bit spit out some blood <laughs> well not bad what'd you say your name was I didn't <laughs> Rafikul what's yours yeah holds out like her paw um I get the name right oh here we go I put in the other one uh she holds out her like Sort of like she takes off like the brass knuckles that's like on one of her paws, and she holds out her like left hand and says, "Earshap, Earshap will do." And then I click my jaw back into place real quick. Like, <laughs> nice to meet you, Earshap. Uh, your hat's loose. No. Oh. Mm. That's what happens when you get your head knocked around for a few hours. She, like, puts her arm around you and, like, picks up her, like, belt strap and says, Come on in. Drinks are on me. Right. Ah, sun's going down. I could use a coffee. Grab my gun and put it back on my belt. Or put my belt back on around my waist. Yeah, and as you guys get the drinks on her and, like, kind of sit into, like, one of these tables and then the whole, like, sort of tavern is definitely filling up at this point. Uh, you know, she she basically so, kid. Where'd you uh, where'd you learn to fight like that anyway? Ah, oh. man, who used to work for my father taught me a bit of it a long time ago. Said that uh. You really get to know not only your opponent, but yourself through the connection of fist to fist. But, uh... Deep? It doesn't mean anything, but it's deep. (laughs) Funny enough, that's what my father said as well. But, uh... He disappeared. Before he could finish teaching me. Your father? For lack of a better term. 
I I had to learn survival instincts, you know. I don't have any formal training. I kind of developed the style all my own. Put it to good use, bouncing for this place. And she like just kind of nods generally at the whole bar. Yeah, I kind of keep my skills sharp here. I can imagine, well, they're pretty sharp, I have to say. See her like she's pulling bits of like skin out from under her claw. If, uh, if you're gonna be around a bit, I if you don't mind uh, beating me up a few more to, every now and then. Are you interested in fisticuffs? I mean, he kind of looks at the gun on your side. I would think. Most people that carry those are not interested in getting up close and personal. I used to believe everything my father told me. Believe that, well, he believed in me. Found out that wasn't the case. Maybe I need to find out things on I found being on my own is usually the best. Less likely to get hurt that way. Well, those claws, I imagine you do more than hurt. Not all hurting this kid. And uh, she kind of gets up to kind of go over and get you guys like another round of drinks and leave you kind of sitting there. Just a moment. Coffee for me. Right, coffee, because that makes sense. And she, you can see she smiles. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but then she, you know, she comes back with the drinks, sets them down, says. You got spirit. I'll, uh... If you've got dedication towards the martial arts, I will... I will be your master. I don't have to bow or anything, do I? Bow before your sense. And then she laughs. <laughs> she laughs. And then she, like shakes you just hand on the the shoulder or paw and despite the fact that she is frail as shit she's got some muscle packing underneath that cat body you can feel that she's got right you felt it outside but even here just she's being accidentally too rough on you i just want to make sure everyone else is actually seeing this cat person right (laughs) (laughs) anita's sleeping i don't know i'm asleep (laughs) Maybe I'm not have. the only one that can see this cat person here, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure how, like, I just <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what's going on? <laughs> she does not look like a child. walks into, like, right. <laughs> Ruffy holding on to, like, this cat lady's shoulder. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> just bowing before nothing. <laughs> Too much coffee. With, like, new swords and stuff. <laughs> um, But, yeah, you, you're able to, you know, 
mechanically take your martial arts dedication. Congratulations on that. All right. Uh, I mean, how uh, is there anything else you would like to accomplish? Or Nina, if you'd like to wake up and meander downstairs, anything in the last few minutes on this, you know, first night that you guys could be trying to do? You still got about some downtime on the first day. You got a late start. I think Hal would rush into the bullet and barrel. It's later in the evening. Not sure if uh, he thinks that Anita's still in the workshop and he's going to bust in there and say, I need some oil. Anybody, you got any oil? Something to sand something, they need some oil. And he's you kick in the that. door, right? Looking for Anita. Uh, Anita's not there, but you do see a small frazzled goblin. And the goblin is like looking around and he looks, he's just like muttering to himself like, touch my goddamn tools and like he's going around the workshop and like everything's in the wrong place and he is like trying to put everything back exactly where it goes and you kick in the door and you're like i need some oil <laughs> he spins around he's like points a finger he's like you the one in my workshop and he kind of like walks right up to you and looks up at you all angry <laughs> um no i'm just i need some oil you got some oil I apologize for letting anger get the better of. I like this goblin. I've been doing my breathing exercises, but it just makes me so goddamn mad when some people touch my stuff without permission. Neil, Hal will reach over and see. <laughs> if you rub right here on your ear and you say, I forget what the word is. <laughs> it'll uh, it'll relieve some energy and shit. I got some oil on my fingers now. <laughs> I need some more of that. Um, he like closes and, uh, his eyes and he does yeah, it. like a uh, uh, old rag or something. I can use my blanket. Yeah, yeah, come come over here and he definitely like leads you over and he's got a whole like workshop. He's like, you need oil, you need because like what are we doing? What are we talking about? I need oil, maybe some. Sandpaper. I'm sure you got sandpaper out here in the middle of the desert. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A whetstone, maybe. And I will go to work on his rusted, old, dirty sword. Mm -hmm. And he'll spit polish it to a nice, dull sheen because he doesn't polish it in hopes that it will not create a reflection in the night. Yeah, there's definitely gear here for you to like sharpen and dull and like coat this thing. Um, and, uh, so the, the goblin kind of directs you around and, and gets you all the stuff you want so you can sit down and do it. And he's like, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, can you just, maybe, do you know who touched my stuff? I just, I, I'm not going to make a scene. I promise I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I just want to know who had the audacity to touch my workshop. I mean, the last person I saw come in here was Phoebe. I mean, enjoy. And he like storms out the door to go like give be like a mouth. All right. I yeah. I think you hear like reficule. You hear like the goblin in the bar and stuff. And it's just he just everyone can hear like like you know he's just like Phoebe. I it's my workshop. No one's allowed to touch my tools. And Phoebe's just like, Kit, I rent you that workshop. It's not your stuff. You're renting the space. I don't have time for this shit. And like and. <laughs> And uh, uh, this uh, this like angry goblin just uh, cannot like stand it. Uh, 
orders himself like a whiskey um and you watch as he like orders the whiskey um he goes into like his like little undercoat and he's got a huge selection of like vials and he picks one out and he takes a few drops and he drops it into like the whiskey and it like flames up and he puts the vial away and you just hear him like muttering under his breath as he throws back one of these like flaming whiskeys and one big gulp i guess i could theoretically roll for him at that table. Let's let's uh, see. Uh, he sets his clothing on fire. <laughs> <laughs> he takes the drink and he like slams the glass down. <sighs> That's better. And you just see his arms on fire. And he like looks and like he's got like a flame resistant like set of gear on because it happens all the time to him. So he's just like <sighs> and he starts stamping it out like like nothing. R- Refi's going to get up quickly. Excuse me, one second, Airshop. Go over and start pa- helping pat out the goblin. That, that, thanks. Um, that, don't worry. I I designed sorry, this outfit friend, uh, specifically for this purpose. Yes, yes. Couldn't help but over in that uh, you talking to Miss Phoebe over there. You're wondering about who was in the workshop. Was it you? No, I don't know anything about tools. Uh, but I did see a big green orcish fellow coming out there. <laughs> like, big cuss. We- you know, metal on them. Tell you what! He gets all loud and starts announcing. Whoever brings me this tuss for I, so I can have a word with them about touching my tools, I'll give you a gold piece. You see tuss, you send them my way. I'm sure you'll see him around and I give him another pat on the arm and go back towards to her shop. <laughs> Uh, what yeah. time is it? Uh, night-ish. We're, we're like vague. Enough. I think it's around time you're free to wake up if you want. Yeah, it's it's late. Wybert comes down first. <laughs> uh, and then followed by me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like, Wybert kind of comes into the room and like he still he still has like bits of exposed wiring and stuff like you didn't have time to fully complete him you just got him functional so he looks like he's in a state of disrepair and um i think as wybert comes into the room this uh this goblin nickel has not yet like noticed you guys um so he you, you kind of come down he's focused here he's like looking around like muttering something about tusk uh and uh I think in that moment he kind of looks up and sees this half-built robot. Naively, just Anita goes to Phoebe and goes, Is your workshop open? Why am I Irish? (laughs) (laughs) It spreads. It's infectious. Uh, Is it open? Could I use it? Phoebe's like, it's it's yours. Do what you need to do. We got work. All right, thanks. Oh, hi, Ruffy. Hi, Al. (laughs) This goblin. Is just like, like the minute you said like you know like is is it the workshop available? You just see in the in the chair he's like slowly turning around. He's just like, you just see this goblin staring daggers at you, Anita. Hello. <laughs> oh wait, I think. And then Anita remembers that they have to plan for picking Vashon up. Um, should we? And then she just starts mouthing stuff because 
BB did tell her, to, did tell them to, you know, like not talk too much about it, like outside. Where, where, where's Saruk? I haven't seen him. Oh, Ruffy. And then I step closer to Ruffy. I put a hand on his, like, arm and say, I just remembered that I did punch you yesterday. I'd just like to say sorry. I know. Can you, hear my jaw? you can hear my jaw clicking, can't you? When I, like, <laughs> my jaw is still clicking from getting beat up by the camera. Yeah. And I was like, look what you, look what you did to me, honey. <laughs> I know. It's all the push-ups and the pull-ups that I've been doing. Right, Hal? Oh, that's a nice sword. Uh, there's a tap on your shoulder. or Actually, there's a tap on the back of your lower back. I need to... Hello? Excuse me. Excuse me. Hi. Hi, Nico. Nico, uh, are you the bum who got into my workshop and stole bits of my machinery and did this? And he, like, gestures wildly at Weber. What do you mean, this? You trying this. to slag me off here? I mean, shoddy work, isn't it? He's like, you can see him, like, poking Whoa. his head in through the exposed... Like sort Ricky of thing. steps back. <laughs> what do you do? You show me something that's better than Wybert. I mean, look. Why would you have like this? Is just going to come loose one solid whack, and this is going to come. No. Loose. no. Yeah. No. Fucking touch him. <laughs> He's going back to life. Well, that's my wire right there. That's that's my wire, and he like reaches in. But like, do you want me to pay for it then? No. I mean, a little courtesy would be nice. You come into my workshop, you well, can I mean, at least say. I was told that I could. You weren't there. Yeah, but there's a difference between could and should, right? I could smack you, you in the face, it, but should I? No. You, uh, I mean, you could try. I'm sure I could, you know, like, I'm sure Wybert's going to come in there and then just punch you right back. Wybert. This, is this Wybert? Yes, that's Wybert. Wybert? What? Nico? Nico? Let me. Wybert smash. <laughs> Listen, I don't know where you learned to operate a soldering iron, but that—that is—I'd be embarrassed, frankly, if that was my work. He like just walks. Hey, away. <laughs> boy, boy, come back here. Nah, nah. He just waves his hand like, nah, no, nah, no, nah. no, 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 no. You come back here. He—he he doesn't saying... come, back, but he does spin around at like a distance and look at you. I'm going to quote him. You have the audacity to t to say that my robot right now has shoddy wire work when you couldn't even prove me, prove to me or show to me that you have something of war. Urshap right, has right already sort of worked away between the two of you trying to de-escalate the situation, right, as a bouncer. And uh, Nico's like, come on then, I'll show you. In my workshop, and but do you want to play a game? Whoever could like make the the best blast boots when practicing blast boots. You mean like strapping explosives to the bottom of your feet? Blast boots, like yeah. freshman level Blythe College. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. Yeah. yeah, bring it on, bring it on, and he like you want you want to do it right yeah, now, like yeah, just with I the do. wiring. All I right, do. all yeah. right, let's let's do it, Ben. 
<laughs> what do you want to do? You actually, you, you do, you do it first. What do you want to do? Since you're so, you just stay here. Ability. I'm gonna work on these for four days, and then I'll <laughs> Pathfinder rules, baby. No, it's like can we do like a? Let's do a craft off. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Whatever a craft will face. <laughs> let's, let's see. Let's see who can make the best blast boots. It doesn't even have to be. How about we just make a circuit? Because four days, I actually need that four days. But right now, <laughs> in this next six seconds, All right. maybe there's something that we, you and I could do. How about this? A minute. Maybe what? you could have a roll off, and maybe the highest one gets an ear. Yeah, pop. that's what I had in mind too. <laughs> I'll teach you. How about how about instead of blast boots, we just do some. We'll have a solder off. Whoever right. can whoever can solder the wires correctly that can withstand a proper jostle wins. Alright. I'm a robot. No, no, no. Alright. I got some red box setups we can use. So, I'll, I'll grab those <laughs> peanuts. This should be good. <laughs> uh, if you want to do like an... like, There's this whole set. He makes it really <laughs> official. He gets like a little like uh, clockwork like big like oversized alarm clock that he puts on the desk and he like gives it a twist so it comes out to be exactly like five minutes and he says first oh, one to finish in five made oh. that. well thank you thank you actually wait no I'm angry with you we're gonna do this I'm just paying you a compliment alright I'm ready and then I take out my artisan's tools <laughs> yeah and uh, so he's got like the bread box he's got like a little electrical current set up and the idea is to solder across this circuitry to make the light light up. Whoever does it first, and it has to withstand like a jostle, otherwise it doesn't count in his eyes. So we're just gonna do this as a straight crafting roll. I need to have enough hero points to like use because this is probably I know. the only roll we made all night, right? God, <laughs> bank those hero it's points. I'll this just carry them over. Um, but uh. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and make um, an active crafting check. Let me just check something real quick. All right, you ready? Saw it off. Right? Are they just going like... to leave? They're just going to saw it off? I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Whoever leaves the best, I'm confused. So. Anita, are you ready for this craft off? Yes. All right. Should I roll first to set the bar and see how fast Nikol's going to do it? All right. All right. Nikol, with his crafting check, rolls a 12 on the dice with a plus 12 for a total of 24. Uh, he's a pretty good crafter. I had to look up his stats. Okay. So, Anita, look it's doable. Dice too. Oh, do you? It, it is doable. This is All something right. that's within the realm of possibility for you. So Nico is going fast, but can Anita pull it out? All right, it's either the most intense roll. Of the stream so history. egoistic. Yes. Happy Pride. Oh God. Well, do you want to spend a hero point and risk it? <laughs> How many times do we roll? Just one roll. It's just one roll. But you have you have to take the second result. It's yeah. not like advantage where you get to pick. Yeah. Yeah. Are you oh, content oh. with tying? I think it's, it's a good story beat to tie. 
Yeah. Yeah. So so you're working, you're both. Aha, you both basically finish and the light goes on on both. Wybert picks up both and gives it like a shake. They both stay solid. His soldering technique is a bit sturdier than yours, but it slowed him down. But he made up for it by like using um, some uh, new like wiring sort of like cap techniques that you hadn't seen before, which is a little interesting. Um, and he's impressed that you were able to make your solder so fast. Uh, he understands that you prioritize speed over over function. Uh, and I think you both look at each other, lock eyes, and he goes, well, obviously my light went on first. No. I mean, and then the, the, the bell goes off, you both finish in the time. It's like, no, no, my light clearly went off first. I think I I won. mean, we have people here that witnessed. Ruffy, how? Yeah. Ruffy and how with peanuts. Looks about the same to me, how What do you think? I was, uh, polishing the sword. Oh, <laughs> right. was polishing the sword, and then these two engineers came in. Uh, well, as the official <laughs> judge, unquestionably the official judge of this contest, I'm gonna have to say that Anita was the winner. That's freshman year Blifford College skills to you. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit! Like, slams the top, like, throws the whole, like, tool set, soldering iron, hot soldering iron goes flying across the workshop as he, like, storms off back towards the bar, just muttering, like, bullshit, bullshit! Uh, yeah, I his breathing exercises are not helping him here. You see him, like, massaging his ear angrily as he goes back to the bar. And, uh, I think, I think that will probably be where we end Tonight. Or maybe there's like a moment as he goes off and there's like Ruffy and Nita and Hal like looking at each other there, right? It was actually a tie, Annie. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear something even better? Yeah. I told him it was Tuss that went to his workshop. <laughs> Did you really? Oh boy. Where is he? Where is he anyway? I don't know. He said something about he was paying for a party tomorrow night or something, and then I haven't seen him. Oh, he did. Oh, he's probably buying supra- uh, supplies for it. Yeah, I'm sure he's not spent the gold on anything else. <laughs> mm. oh. I'm, I'm sure he's not spent the gold on 30 gold money. worth of psychedelic mushrooms to go to the park <laughs> and just fucking see God. I also slipped him some LSD into his drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Now it all makes Ruffy, sense. Why would you do that? He seems like, you know, like an honest man. Just so you know, broaden his perspective. I'm just kidding. I'm sure maybe he could, like, tolerate Akinstar a little bit better with some LSD on him. I just hope he wasn't, you know, like, alone when he was tripping. It was actually one of, uh, you know, Hal's old lizard tales. <laughs> <laughs>